So this morning we're looking at the first book of Ephesians, um, and uh, the book of Ephesians is the first chapter, and uh, we'll get that up on the screen a little bit later. So before we go uh, any further, uh, a bit of background into the letter. It was written about between 61 to 63 AD, and Paul wrote it from when he was in prison, possibly in Rome. In some of the early manuscripts, they don't have Ephesians in verse 1. Uh, so I thought maybe it was just a circular letter that just went around the churches in the area. But this morning, uh, in our Bibles, it says it's the Church of Ephesians, so we'll take it as written. So one way to describe the letter, it's pretty well neatly done. And if you look at the first three chapters, it's, um, it's about God in us or Christ in us. And then the last, last three chapters about us in Christ. And it sort of fits in there well. We had a sermon some time ago um, on, on the uh, last chapter, the last part of it, on uh, putting on the whole armour of God. And that sort of culminates what the whole book is about, of putting on the whole armour of God later on. The main theme is about unity in the body of Christ, but uh, and Paul focuses on bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together in Christ. But the Jews, they were jealous of the Gentiles at this time, of part of being God's people. Because of their place as his people, they were set aside, the Jews, in the past. This morning we'll look at the chapter and then look at a couple of points from the chapter and see where we can take from it. We'll be looking at the chapter through the subject of grace, and thank you, Linda, for the songs this morning, as it is through grace that God brought us together in unity and it is grace that brought us into relationships with Jesus Christ through him. So can we have, the, um, have it up on the screen, please, while I try and adjust this again? So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to through to 14. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Thus, greetings, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him, in him, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's a big statement, isn't it? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good times, uh, to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together all one things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, 
you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We could probably not go much further than that, but it's a great chapter and a great um, thing about God's grace, God's love, and how we're sealed in him and how he brought us all together. And if we look around the room today, we can see that we all come from different places and different backgrounds, and God has brought us all together under him in Christ. And that's a great thing that uh, we can look at. First, look at the definition of grace as we believe as followers of Christ. So grace is the free and unmerited favour of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. So it's the free and unmerited favour of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. So the first thing we can see in the passage, this was written to the saints in Ephesus in, um, in verse 1. So the saints are the Christians living there. So if we remember when we did uh, Freedom in Christ uh, way back last year as a, a group, that all Christians are saints. We are saints in Christ. Because of Christ saving us, we are saints. This is important to understand when we look in the subject of the passage later. Paul continues by his greetings in verse 2 by pronouncing grace and peace to the saints. In the original text, the next uh, 3 to 14 verses are one sentence. So I'm glad that they've broken up a little bit for us. Otherwise, it makes it just a little bit difficult. But back in their day, it was just one sentence. From verse uh, 5, Paul talks about the Jews and the Gentiles here. It was God's plan and intention to join all nations of the world under one nation under Christ. For those who believed and accepted Christ, and they were adopted as sons and co-heirs with Christ, and it says back in Romans 8.17, which is a very well-known verse as well, And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. That's from Romans 8.17. Verse 6 of chapter 1 says, It was by his grace he made us accepted by his beloved. We see here that God's grace was at work bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together. So this is the plan that God that had worked before the time of the world had began, but also as part of a plan that, um, and a covenant that God made way back in Genesis chapter 12 to Abram. Now Abram at that stage had not um, left where he was, but uh, God told him to get out of his country. And it says, get out of your country from your family and to your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And your blessing, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in all your families of the earth shall be blessed. So I learnt this when I was doing a Bible college course. It's um, using an acronym of LOB, L-O-B. So this uh, promises that God would press, uh, bless Abram with land. He would uh, um, bless him with offspring, and they would be a blessing to others. It was a fulfilment of this covenant in verse 3 that God brought all the nations together unto him later. This was God's predestined before the foundation of the world in verse 4. We'll have a look a little bit like a, a predestination. It's a doctrine which um, can get a bit um, dicey, but uh, far, we'll try and have a look at uh, what we can do and have a look at predestined a bit later. But verse 7 comes back to the subject of grace. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
if we go back to the definition of the grace, which was the free and unmerited favour of God as manifest in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of all blessings. It has nothing to do with anything that we can do to earn his favour. We can't work our way to God. God has put the things in place. He put it in place before the world began. If we look in the Garden of Eden and we look a bit further on in Genesis 3, that God put a plan in place there for his grace because he knew what was going to happen and he put that in place so that we could be at this, this place here and there today. It's good to mention again that uh, the Jews considered the Gentiles as uncircumcised and heathens that had, exclu- had no, and they had exclusive rights to God and his people. This spilled over the church and this is why Paul was addressing these issues. By using terms such as predestined and before the foundation of the world, he was setting the platform to do this. So in verse 10, God's plan is revealed in the fullness of time and God will gather together in one thing all Christ those in Christ under heaven and earth. Paul is alluding here that each of them will be in heaven. Remember Paul told the joke the other week that there was a certain denomination that they all thought that they were the only ones there? Well, the Jews probably thought that they were the only ones there and that the Gentiles weren't getting there too. But um, whether it be then or when Jesus comes again to take us away. So in verse 11, Paul mentioned again that God predestined this according to his will that all would be in one in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, having believed in the gospel of salvation, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit's promise. The Spirit was their guarantee of inheritance. So now we'll look at, uh, at uh, because it's a predestination, we'll look at predestination this morning because it's mentioned in our reading twice. And it's not something that we can uh, scrape over and it has a lot to do with what uh, Paul was saying about unity here and his grace and how he brought them into this being and how it was. So I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it from here. I did watch one online of a sermon from um, where I'll be talking about a little bit later and um, that was something that I didn't really agree with how it was going. But uh, the subject is often spoken of and can be difficult to understand, but we can't ignore it because it's in this passage looking at so please bear with me for a little while and we'll just look at what it predestination is. It's important here that we read this in the context of the passage as it's written. So God predestined them from the time before to bring them together. As I mentioned in verse 1, this letter was written to the saints at Ephesus, the saints. So this letter about predestination was to the Christians and no one else. That is the believers, the Jew and the Gentile. We remind ourselves that Jesus, the Jews considered themselves predestined because they were God's chosen race. The reason to stress these points in this teaching has been done on predestination, which is contrary to this. So one of the teachings on predestination was done by a bloke called John Calvin. His teaching was about salvation of man, and our reading today is not. So to briefly summarise Calvin's teaching, or Calvinism as known, he put together an acrostic called TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. So T stands for total depravity. Sinfulness pervades man and as he is unable to reach out to God and God must do all the work. U stands for unconditional election. God chooses who will be saved because people are dead in their sins and are unable to initiate any response to God. In eternity past, God elected certain people to be saved. 
The saved people are his elect. L stands for limited atonement. Limited atonement is a view that Jesus died only for the elect. I stands for irresistible grace. Irresistible grace is a belief that God brings his elect to salvation through an internal call that they are powerless to resist. The Holy Spirit supplies grace to them until they repent and are born again. And P stands for perseverance of the saints. It teaches that the elect cannot lose their salvation because salvation is the work of God, the Father, Jesus Christ the Savior and the Holy Spirit. It cannot be thwarted. None whom God has called will be lost. They are eternally secure. Now we believe, as Paul said, we believe in, um, I do, that perseverance that uh, once saved, always saved, that God has put his hand upon it and the Holy Spirit lives in us. But looking at some of this teaching here, this teaching is built on one premise, and that is God only saves an elect. And there's a teaching about the elect, if we look in uh, Revelation and other places, that there will be an elect of the Jews and an elect of those that God will go to be with him in the end. But this says that, um, that, that God will only save the elect and God has predestined and chosen those elect before the time. Such as we're born... Um, so in essence, some of what he's saying that we are born into sin and the original sin. And the doctrine of original sin is that uh, even though we haven't um, done the same sin as Adam did, we are still guilty because of the sin of Adam. And, um, the soul is, and we were born in the sin and we need to come back to Christ. So some of his other statements I find a little bit difficult to, um, to swallow and to, to take in, that man is unable to respond to God, that God only elected some to come to salvation and that Jesus died for them, that man can only come to salvation because they are his elect. They cannot resist. So I'll have a look at some of the other verses like John 3.16 which says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. doesn't mention here an elect and mentions the whole world. For God loved the world that he sent his only son to the whole world. This verse doesn't differentiate between the elect and others. And the act to believe is a verb. We have to do something about to act to believe. So it's not something that's, that God's put, put upon us. He knows who's going to come to him in Christ and we don't. But that doesn't mean that he has chosen everyone and others that he'll, uh, as I heard this, this message, that use him as an example. And uh, for me, that's not God's grace. Acts 2.21 And any who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once again, an action of calling on the name. This is a good pleasure of our saving, 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. That it's good pleasure and pleases our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And 1 John 2, 2 in the NIV says, He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So I suggest that the teaching of Calvin does not show the grace of God and the atonement that Jesus came to the cross for. So I also suggest that if God, by Calvin's doctrine, picked those who would be saved, and only those, then why did Jesus go to the cross for the atonement of sin? God wouldn't have needed to send Jesus if we look logically through this. Now we'll go back to the reading about what prayer being predestined here. 
in today's reading, it's about God's plan for unity. And partly to bring about the covenant, we look about uh, before Genesis that all the nations would be blessed under Abraham. We look at God's uh, plan of predestining the people of the earth through the choices he made. He chose Isaac over Ishmael. He chose Jacob over Esau. He brought Ruth and Rahab, who were both uh, Gentiles into the lineage of Jesus. If you look in Matthew chapter 1, you'll see that Rahab and you'll see that Ruth are mentioned in there. And um, Rahab, remember, was the, uh, the prostitute that was saved out of Jericho. So God's plan was to bring the peoples of God together, the peoples together under him. This was the predestined before uh, time and God in his sovereignty and wisdom chose the path he would take. As Christians, we believe that God is in control of everything and has a purpose for everything that he does. And uh, it even says that we've said at Christmas time that Jesus was born and born at the right time. So God's plan was Jesus was going to come at that time and uh, he knew what it was and God is in control of everything. And um, it's his, his plan that he's putting into place. It's up to us to be able to work in his plan. So I'd like to put a um, how I believe predestination works. It's a, a short illustration and it's very personal. It's about me and my lovely wife. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's two things I like talking about. One is the love of God and the other one is my lovely wife. So, Judy and I have been in Kerrang in seven, for seven years in a couple of weeks' time. So um, on the 20th of, uh, of this month, we've been here. Also, we've been married for 35 years on the 18th of January. So, but in 36 and a half years ago, we didn't know who each other were. So God had to bring us together. Firstly, I was born in England, 20,000 kilometres away. Judy was born in Castlemaine in central Victoria and lived in Yapin, which is just a, a, a little place just out of um, Castlemaine. And um, I was living in beautiful downtown Melbourne when it was beautiful downtown Melbourne before it grew. When I was seven, I came to Melbourne and grew up. And as at 20 years old, I became a Christian. God, through his Holy Spirit, put a desire for me to go into Christian work. So God is working there. So through his Holy Spirit, he wanted me, he desired to go through Christian work. Way home from Belgrave Heights Convention one night, I asked God to send me where he wanted me. At first, I thought it might be with mobile and mission maintenance as I was going on a couple of short-term trips with them. I heard about this campsite, uh, but no, but God had this idea. He wanted me to go to a Christian campsite in New South Wales. I'd heard about this campsite once when I was going to church with my mum who used to go to the Barraport Church many years ago and um, this manager had come from the area and he came down and he was talking about this, this camp up in New South Wales and I thought, well, that sounds interesting. The seed was sown. So God wanted me to go there. The same manager had heard about me through his mother-in-law who used to go to church there and my mother who were both friends. Get your mums involved. God knows what he's doing. He didn't know me from a bar of soap, but he somehow God had put in his heart to, in his mind, to be able to contact me to see if I was, was willing to go to be there. Also, a couple of ladies at the church where I was going to, they um, seen the advert New Life, and they thought, "Hmm, Les would be good for this job." I was out of work at the time. Les would be good for this job, but they thought, "Well, we won't tell him because we wanted to stay here." But God overruled again. I got to the camp anyway, so that was it, yeah. Meanwhile, Judy had done a couple of uh, short-term trips with MMM. I was going to, do to the, go to the same campsite to do some painting. 
The manager was not keen to have a girl come and do the painting. Isn't that wonderful? But the MMM manager convinced him by saying, she is coming, whatever. And if you knew the manager, um, how the bloke from MMM got him to do that, it was a miracle in itself. The manager had to come down to Bort to pick up his wife and take her back after she had spent some time with her family and Judy hitched a ride with, back with them. When Judy was painting, she helped out cooking on some occasions and was offered the head cook's position. She went on another trip to MMM in Western Australia and came back to the campsite in late September. 2nd of October, around at midnight, we started going out with each other. So it was a pretty significant thing in my life that we started going out. As I see that God had a plan for our lives and he orchestrated this plan to bring us together for his purposes. Since we've gone on, we've served in different places. He's brought us to Kerrang and reasons for but it was God's purposes that he brought us together. He knew where we were and he knew where he wanted to bring us together. And I believe that today he's brought everyone here today for a reason and for a purpose and that you are not sitting in that seat by accident, that God has control, God has a plan for your lives as we sang about in the song before. And this is what Paul is talking about here in predestination, that God predestined the Ephesians and Jews and Gentiles to come together for his purposes. Suggests that God predestines it for his purpose and his alone to bring into place his plans for individuals and the world at large. The catch is as the individuals through their free will as how do they respond to the call of God on their lives. So we need to be constantly seeing what God has for us. We need to be constantly asking him what God has for us because he needs us where he wants us and to be willing to up stakes or to stay where it might be. So now I'd just like to have something that God laid on my heart and this is something that's, um, yeah, it is personal. It also affects probably nearly everyone here and that is our families who are not walking with God. It's hard in that some of these will be close relatives and some of them will be not so close relatives. And we do grieve for them and desperately want to see to come salvation. We want to see all their family go to be with him when we go to be with him and to have the joy of that too. So we may even wonder where we might have done better in their upbringing to bring them to God. If that's you, you're not alone. God knows how you are and wants you to be part of the situation. Whoever they are, hand them over to God and let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. Pray that they may come to contact with other Christians who may tell them about God. Pray for them. When you do this, you are praying in accordance with God's will. As we saw in 1 Timothy 2.4, God wants all saved to come to a knowledge of truth. Find a trusted friend who may support you and chances are you may be able to support them as well. Love them. Love them, love them, encourage them and again pray for them believing at the start of this new year that we may pray believing that those of our families that are not walking with God will come to a relationship with him in this year. Make it a priority and we may have to show God's grace to them as well as he has shown you grace. It's a new year, it's a new time, let's bring our family before God and we'll do that before. And if this is being recorded, anyone that's out there, God loves you. God wants you to be part of his family. 
please. So how can we wrap this up? The passage talks about bringing people together in unity. Two races, one place under Jesus and by his atoning sacrifice. God did this out of grace to bring his plans together that worked out before the world had began and will continue long after the world is gone and a new heaven and earth are created. As we know, none of us deserves grace. But God gave it freely and without merit because he loves us. And that's the bottom line. God loves us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. Enough for him to send his only son to be brought back. So it's up to us to show grace to each other. In the Lord's Prayer, we forgive, we pray, forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who may trespass against us. This is a calling for us uh, to have the same grace as God has shown us. There will be people that may come into our lives in church and in community that we'll, we may disagree with, and they may disagree with us as well too. Or maybe the people that we might want to spend some time with. Take some time to show them grace, because you know what? They might be showing grace to be able to spend time with you as well too. God's grace was there at the beginning. God's grace is there today and God's grace goes on. We'll just pray now and um, before we go any further, before Linda comes up and brings the last song, which is Amazing Grace. Father, we do thank you for your word and at this time we do bring those of our members of our family, if you just think of them yourselves, we name them before you just now, Jesus. There may be many of them. We know, Father, that you love them. We know that you came to die for each one of them. And, Father, we want to see them come to a relationship with you, Jesus. At the start of this year, we will pray. We um, will continue to pray for our families that are far away from you. We pray, Father, your Holy Spirit may continue to work in their lives. We hand each one of them over to you, Jesus. We hand each one of them over to you, God, to be able to use and to do as you will to bring them through a relationship with you. We thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. We thank you, God, you're going to answer this prayer and we do pray in unity with you on this. Father, just bless us now as we go in this place and as we go on from this day. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.